What's happening, my friends? Hey, welcome back. Um, today is episode 31. Can you believe that? 31 episodes that I've done in the last year. That's right. A year ago, I started back on this podcast journey. And when I say I started back, uh, those of you who may have known me for a while known that from time to time I've done different types of podcasts. And this is the first time I've been this consistent for this long. And I really enjoy it. But what makes this one different than the others? Well, Previously, I tried to be like uh, rather specific in my podcast topics, and that I quickly got bored with. This format, however, this long-form conversation-type podcast where I just sit down with people that interest me and talk about things that interest me is more fascinating. I mean, look at some of the people we've talked to over the last year. Um, just friends that I went to high school with, people who's got serious issues like... Uh, rare childhood diseases, a druid priest. I've talked to paranormal investigators. I've just had a great time. And I hope you've enjoyed that journey as well. Uh, you're more than welcome to go back into the park podcast archives, listen to it, share it, and do things like that as well. Today's episode, episode 31, is with Shannon Greenland. Now, Shannon Greenland is an author. Her latest book that's out right now is called Scouts. It's based here in southeast Tennessee. And it's in a great adventure-type story. Uh, she describes it as kind of like Stranger Things and Goonies here in southeast Tennessee where these young children just go on this great adventure searching for a meteorite that crashed. So if you get a chance to pick up that book, you can find it wherever books are sold. It actually was released yesterday, July 23rd, and she is currently on book tour. Now, Shannon lives in Florida. But she was going to be in Athens uh, promoting her book, and so she agreed to sit down with me and have a conversation. So thank you for that, Shannon. Also, a special thank you. This podcast is made possible by the fine folks at The Beanery Uncorked in downtown Athens. Now, The Beanery, the Beanery Uncorked is a coffee shop downtown Athens, and they allow me to come in there from time to time and just sit down and have conversations and record those. Uh, Janine down there, she's the owner. She's a great woman. Go in there, introduce yourself, tell them you heard about them from the podcast, uh, and get you a good cup of coffee as well. Okay, so here we go. Shannon Greenland, my friend and author. I hope you enjoy. So it's Tennessee Military Institute. Yeah, Sweetwater. So were you studying for the military? Or no. did you get in trouble and your dad's like, I'm sending you to a no. military school? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're funny. No, it was uh, it was just, gosh, I don't even know how I ended up there, to be honest with you. Um, hmm. I think just looking for a different avenue of education and ended up exploring the area and because at one point I went to Fairview. Is that even a school still here? The Fairview? Christian Academy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, at one point I was there. And then I was at Riceville Elementary. I dated um, a girl that went to Fairview. Her name was Kelly. I can't remember her last name to save my life. Uh, her dad worked at Athens. Not, not Athens Supply. It was that supply shop. If you go past the police station on Railroad Avenue, that plumbing store. Her dad worked there. But Yeah. But Do you yeah, remember I'm, her last name? No. No, I'm a horrible. Yeah. 
Yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. It's like you and I trying to figure out how we know each other. I know. I know. Right. Joint, joint friends. Right. Right. So I've got Shannon Greenland here. Uh, now you're living where? Okay. So now I live in St. Augustine, Florida. Is that beautiful? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. And I live on the island. There's on the island and off the island. I live on the island and I have my little bike and I bike to the farmer's market and I just love it. You just got this little bohemian life going yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. And I do yoga on the beach and did paddle boarding in the moonlight by the lighthouse. A you few did days that in. on the full moon. Yes. Yes. On the full moon. Yeah, and I didn't realize how dangerous it, w- it was. And everyone, when they saw the pictures, they were like, are you kidding me? Do you know how many sharks are in that water? You know, that particular <laughs> inlet I was on? I said, no, there, sh- there were sharks in that inlet. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Oopsie-daisy. Mm-hmm. But they're not as... And I know people get attacked by sharks, right? But they're not as aggressive as everybody... Th- I mean, they're not constantly eating people. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's rare, right? I would like to think so. I mean, I saw, you know, last week I saw this um, lady, I don't know where she's at, Hawaii maybe, and she's studying sharks, and she's swimming with one of the biggest sharks that's still alive, and she was talking about how they're the most misunderstood animal, and I'm watching this, and I'm wanting to believe her, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, um, <laughs> if like, I'm no. in the water with a big shark like that, I'm out of there. <laughs> no she went wide up, and she like ran her fingers along the side of the shark, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Well, there was that picture out of Hawaii where that guy had that uh, huge monster shark. And he was just sitting there filming. They were diving. They were studying something. And all the animals started leaving. All the fish that were there started disappearing. Mm. And here just comes this monster great white. Mm. And it was longer than him. And he did the same thing. And I Mm. thought, you know, one of my things in life is if I'm in wildlife and all the peaceful, nice animals start leaving, Mm -hmm. maybe I need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Good point, good point. And they say that you're supposed to punch a shark in the nose or something. Right. Okay, so I, I every year I do a big hiking adventure, and or at least I try to. And last year I went to Yellowstone with mm. a couple of my uh, girlfriends from college. And um, we were there for an extended trip to hike. And that's what one of the wilderness guides told me. If you come across a bear, what you want to do is you want to take your take your hand and reach down in and grab its tonsils and then it will no longer bother you <laughs> and my, my girlfriends and I are looking at each other like no uh no <laughs> and then the bear you know my arm is gone and the bear of course you know, um, what what kind of what advice f- is that you, you, reach your arm me, down and grab its tonsils <laughs> you're telling me if the bear attacks me just feed it <laughs> like I'm not gonna reach inside and grab well, I guess if I'm dying, I'll do it, but I'd rather not be in that situation. So you live on the island in St. Augustine. Yeah. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, you're a published author. I am. 11 books. I was trying to calculate it. Um, I can quickly do so. Um, let's see here. Now, how amazing is that? She's written so many books, she doesn't know. Uh, it's a good problem. It's a good problem, right. So six, six books, no, five books in a spy series for young adults called The Specialist. Um, I have three books in a young adult thriller series about a serial killer, a 17-year-old serial, kill, serial killer. Um, that's under a pen name. So let's see, that's... Um, a pen I name? Why math. did you choose a pen name? Because it's, it's a dark genre that I'm writing under, and my agent and I talked, and we thought that 
for my darker things, I really needed to pick a different name, so that's why I did that. So I have um, three in that series, and then I have um, two adult novels. One is a very dark psychological thriller, and then one's a, a very um, gritty, dark survival thriller on an island. So what number am I up to? Eight, nine, I, I lost 10. count. I'm that's sitting here trying to think what your pen name might be. S-E. S-E Green. Oh, S-E Green. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I have another teen thriller. That's a standalone novel. So let's see. What are we up to? 10? 10. 10. And now this middle grade novel is 11. It feels like there should be more than that. Oh, yeah. And I have... Oh, yeah. That's right. I do have... I have two young adult romance novels. Uh, and then I have another young adult thriller coming out in August about the first female POTUS her daughter in a terrorist attack. It's kind of like a very 24 type of fast-paced adrenaline. POTUS, ride. President of the United States. Uh-huh. So you got a, you got a book about the first female president of the United States. Yes. That'll be cool. Yeah, that comes out August 6th. So what do you... Um, I'm, I'm fascinated by authors. I'm fascinated by the writing process. I'm fascinated by the whole creative process. How, how did you get into this? Oh, quite by accident. So I am a mathematician. That's what my degree's in. And that, and I actually teach math part-time for an online um, private school. Okay. And I was in my late 20s when I started buzzing some ideas around in my head about some, you know, books, um, outlines, whatnot. Anyway, I picked up a pencil and I just started scribbling ideas and... Six months later, I had written my first novel. Now, granted, it was crap, but (laughs) I wrote it. You wrote it. (laughs) And then I just kept going from there, and I started learning the craft and going to workshops, and that's how I transitioned into getting an agent and then publishing and all that. So you went the traditional route. You're not doing the self-publishing. You went the traditional... Uh, Yes, initially I did, and then... Um, my spy series I was talking about, the rights reverted back to me last year, which that happens, um, you know, usually after maybe 10 years, or it depends on like how the book is selling. There's different reasons why books revert back. Um, that whole series reverted back to me last year, and then I turned around and indie published them myself. And so that's my first indie step into the indie world. And then a few months ago, I indie published a an adult psychological thriller I was talking about earlier. Yeah. So, so the difference between the traditional versus the indie publishing, mm-hmm. uh, what, do, what do you like, don't like? I mean... Oh, they both have their pros and cons. Yeah. Um, I like having a, a toe in each one. I love indie because I feel like I really have just learned so much that I didn't know before about the business side. Of yeah. the industry, you know, before I knew about the creative side and um, how to meet deadlines and editing and plotting, and now I know just so much about marketing and publicity and managing, and so. Well, see, I, I listened to a podcast called uh, "Smart Passive Income." There's a guy named Pat Flynn that does it, mm-hmm. and he was talking about that very same thing. The thing that he his struggle between the uh, traditional publishing and the indie publishing. And the big benefit that he mentioned about the traditional publishers is they've, they've got this whole team. Yes. Yeah, you don't make as much money. You don't have as much control. But they have a whole team of marketing and things like that. Um, he said, so if you don't realize everything that goes into that, it's hard on the indie publishing side to get your book out there. Uh, but having learned it, 
he talks about once you learn it, that's why you see a lot of authors who do both like yeah. you're doing. They know how to do this. So when those rights revert back, they just yeah. put new covers on them, maybe rebrand them yeah. and put them back out there. Yeah, rewrite them, update them. Like my spy series, I think maybe there was some old technology in it I had to update, you know, that kind of thing. No more cassette players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, yeah, in traditional publishing, you definitely you see the money up front because you get an advance on the book. Mm-hmm. With indie, you see it as the book sells. And so you put money up front. It depends. Well, yeah, because you need a, a professional-looking cover and you need um, good editing. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people out there that offer various services. So you, you at, at this point in my career, I've got a good network and I was able to, you know, kind of put my fingers out there and and figure out what made sense so good well there's a guy here locally uh i met him recently and somebody said oh he's got a book out and so i just ordered his book and it was it was an indie publishing type thing and i thought well that's no big deal and i started reading the book i'm like dude you really need an editor i mean you know you know sometimes in a book they'll have those call outs where they have the uh They'll have the, in the middle of the page, it'll be like the great big bullet points that they're trying to make. Yeah. Just simple grammatical errors there. And I'm not a grammar guy. Yeah. But if I noticed it, it was just painful to read. Um, and I thought, that's where you really need that. And, that. and see, that's my fear in writing. So, like, I wrote a, something here recently and I had published in the paper. But before I even sent it to the newspaper, I sent it to, like, two or three friends of mine who are, like, grammar Nazis. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Those are good friends to have. Those are great friends to have. Yeah, and uh, somebody asked me, "Why are you so worried about this?" Because I'm worried about it because I have a message I want to get across. And if if somebody like me is reading it and I catch it, I'm not even listening to your message now. I'm I'm trying to. I've, I've probably just put it down. So editing is a big thing for me, and that's probably my my most uh, nerve wracking thing when it comes to writing. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's important to present a professional piece yeah you know if you just slop something up there it's not going to look good on you as as a publisher because that's essentially what you are you are your own publisher so it's good to make sure you put the right foot forward right and you said something about covers i always like it when people say well you don't judge a book by its cover and i think yes, publishers you do. spend a lot of money <laughs> yes, <on> you do. <laughs> yes you do yeah. Publishers spend a lot of money on that cover. They <laughs> test it. They send it out. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work that goes into it. It's amazing, it. and how many people, um, how many people have input into the cover? You know, the booksellers do because they they know what's going to sell on their shelves. So it's it's incredible, the whole business side of publishing. So when you got that first agent, you got that. How many times were you turned down a lot? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody's got those stories. You know, you query, you you get the rejection letters. But I actually, I've had uh, I've had two agents. And my first agent, funny enough, I, um, I found in a bar. <laughs> I like those kind of agents. <laughs> I was at a conference and I was at a bar and I was just having, I don't know, margarita. And she was sitting beside me and we were just chatting like you and I are chatting. And we, I didn't even know who she was. She didn't know who I was. And we were just blah, 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 blah. And at the end of the conversation, she handed me her business card and she said, by the way, I'm a literary agent and, and I really like that spy project you were talking about. Would you send it to me? I said, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. And, um, and, you know, she signed me and then sold the whole series. So 
Isn't that funny it how life crazy, happens yeah. like that? You're not yeah. even looking for it, and then these amazing opportunities all present themselves. Yeah, yeah. That's She's beautiful. no longer in the business, but I have another agent now, but that's how I got her. Well, Janine, who I introduced you to here at the Beanery, uh, she was in the business for a while. Yeah. And she told me one time, she said she wouldn't work with authors unless they were willing to work with uh, editors and design people. She said, it's not even worth my time. She said, I'm not even going to represent you. I'm not going to put you out there. If you're not willing to spend this time, effort, and money to get these people involved, I don't want to work with you. Yeah. And um, I thought that was fascinating, too. So you get your first, not rejection letter, but you get that first... Uh, I, I want to say contract book deal. You get that first book yeah. deal. What's that like? I mean, that feel. Oh my gosh! I I remember I was in my kitchen and I was eating Cheetos when I got the phone call. <laughs> I started screaming my head off. Oh my gosh! I have a picture of it. Somebody was in the kitchen with me and they were just laughing so hard and they took a picture of me. I was bouncing around. I couldn't believe it. Couldn't I, believe it. It's got to be amazing. And then when you walk into that first bookstore and you see your first book. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And even, it doesn't get old. I mean, like, I haven't seen scouts on the shelf yet, um, and I probably won't until tomorrow when I'm in Chattanooga at, Ham- at the Barnes & Noble there. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm like a first-time author every time. I'm like giggling and jumping so it's around. New every time. Taking pictures, selfies with my book. I mean, I'm silly. <laughs> well, you know Kristen O'Donnell, right? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. the same way. Yeah, we went to high school together. Yeah, she's the same way when she sees a book. Uh, she'll post a selfie with her book at Target or whatever. I know. I'm so silly that way. I don't blame you. I would be but too. But it's a big accomplishment, you know? And you it's have to a baby. Ce- you have to celebrate it. You should. Yeah, because you work so hard. I think, I don't know, I think people think maybe writers just have this luxurious life where we sit down and we write at our whim, and it d- it's not like that at all. So what is it like? <laughs> it's hard work. It's hard work. It's discipline. It's um, meeting deadlines. It's um, getting stuff rejected. I mean, I'm multiple books in now, and I still get projects rejected from my agent and my editor. And and you you hear that from New York Times bestsellers. You hear that from everybody. So it's not like once you once you get one book in the door, now suddenly you're set with all the others. It doesn't work like that. You know, you just you have to continue to up your game and yeah. uh, and study the craft and continue to you know, be, become a master at your at your art. But that's got to be intimidating, too. Okay, I, I did this. Can I do it again? Yeah, oh, that's me. Every single time I start a new book, I'm like, oh, my God, can I do this? I don't know. Yeah, cause <laughs> Is you, it good? It's kind of like I've set this bar. Yeah. And do I, I, I guess for me, I'd want to surpass it every time. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know if I can keep keep this pace up. Yeah. So a day in the life of an author. Yeah. Do you have a certain schedule that you write yeah, by? Yeah, yeah. So um, I am a morning writer, and I, I get up. I'm, I'm naturally an early riser. Like 5, 5 a.m., my internal clock goes off. I'm mm-hmm. cursed that way. So I'm up, and I'm a morning writer, and I burn out around 11 in the morning. And then I switch, and I work out, and I, you know, just do other stuff, uh, the business side, um, and then I, I also teach math online, so I tackle, tackle all that, grading papers, Skyping with students. So wow. um, sometimes I don't stop until way past the 12-hour mark. And, and then pretty, you're up at 5. Yeah, that's pretty much every day, including <laughs> weekends. Yeah, 
So you write I, every day? I try to. Yeah. Now this week, being here in East Tennessee and touring around, I you know, yeah. I, I probably won't get around to much of it. But but there's this whole idea of taking a day off. I mean, resting. Do you ever yeah. get that in? I mean, that's got to be part of your discipline. And if it's not, it should be. It part should of be. And I try. Like I try to say, okay, Sunday is my day where I I am not going to look at my phone, not look at my laptop. I'm going to get outside. I'm. But I don't know. You know, sometimes. I just have so many things to do. I can't ever yeah. emotionally or physically rest. <laughs> There's an author that I follow, uh, and he talks about that um, he had to force himself to do that. He's an author and a speaker and a teacher. Yeah. yeah. He said, because what he found out was if he just kept pushing, 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 his work quality went yeah, down. Yeah, I find the same thing. Yeah, he said, but when I force myself to take this rest, and, and I... He said, I, I might have an idea and I'll jot it down, but I don't work it. Yeah. I don't work it. This is my rest. And uh, he says, then when I come back to it, I'm good and my work's better. But he does that not just in days, but like, uh, like every seventh month. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not working this month. I might jot something down. I might think about it, but I try not to. He said, then when I come back to it, it's always better. Last year, I went to Ireland for 15 days with a couple of good buddies of mine. Oh, my. And I didn't do any writing the whole time I was there. I did my teaching job, but I didn't do any writing. And it's true. I came back from Ireland, and I was raring to go. I had taken a 15-day rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, I checked in on the business side, but not much. But as far as, like, creatively, I did nothing fresh and new. And, and yeah, it's amazing how, how rejuvenated I was. Yeah, that... that yeah. And- and that's the thing I like about whether you're an author, you're a musician, everybody's creative. And I always hate that when people say, well, I'm just not creative. Yes, you are. Everybody's creative. Yeah. It's just finding out what you're creative at mm-hmm. and then loving the craft. Um, and I love that you you mention it, even though you've got, what, 11, 12 books out, you talk about you're continually trying to learn the craft. Yes, yeah, I, 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 last year I took the online class that James Patterson offered through the master yeah. class. Um, I took that. I've, I've done all kinds of... Conferences. Oh, yeah. Continuously going to... I don't go to as many conferences as I used to, but yeah, it's all part of it. Yeah. It's like if you do anything for a living, you know, whether you, whatever your profession is, you have to maintain your skill set. You know, if you're an engineer, you have to keep up with your certification, right? And right. everything. So I, I look at writing that way. Yeah, that would be, I guess my thing is I, I enjoy it like on my, in my Evernote. I've got small little, I guess, essays. None of them are tied together. It's just I have this thought in my head, so I just start you know, just banging it out and leave it there. Uh, maybe someday I'll come back to it and pull it all out and try to put it together. But I, I love the idea of being a writer. I don't know what it is. Uh, my biggest fear outside of the editing is, and I guess I'll ask you this, your voice. When, when that goes to the editor, my fear is they're going to, you know, whether it's a friend of mine, you or somebody, and I send it to you and you edit it and send it back, is my voice going to still be there? Yeah, it will. Yeah, if, if, you have, if, if you have a good editor, they'll leave the voice intact and they'll just focus on 
punctuation and right. um, uh, grammar as far as anything that doesn't tinkle with the voice. But yeah, I've never had an editor come back and go, um, well, actually, that's not true. This uh, young adult thriller I have coming out in August, the first female president and her daughter and the terrorist attack, that whole thing. The editor, I don't know what I was doing, but I was like repeating sentences with the same, like I would, the same cadence. And I've never done that before. That's not my voice. And I don't know where I was, why I was doing that. And she, she just kept marking it up going, what's going on? What are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I must have recently read a book. Yeah. that had that kind of repetitive cadence and that's why I started doing it maybe it was just in my brain but yeah. it was not my voice and she knew that and so that was probably the most editing I think I've ever done on a manuscript because it just wasn't me wasn't you well and that's a good editor that knows your voice and knows to keep your voice intact yeah I mean, that's got to be a good symbiotic relationship to have um but at this point, I've had I've had several editors. Editors move around a lot in, yeah. in the houses, and so I've had a few. And, and my the stuff I've indie published, I have an editor that works with that, and uh, she understands my voice really well. So that's got to be great. So young adult, how you you've kind of stayed in that genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did I end up there? How would you end up here? Why did you stay? Do you just love it? Is it just that's where you're at in this season of life? It may go on to something else? or So I actually started out writing adult romantic suspense novels. Like with Fabio on the cover? No. <laughs> that's funny. No, like it was very... Um, it's like serial killers but with romance. <laughs> so what's this deal with killers? <laughs> You keep know. coming back to this serial killer thing. <laughs> I don't know. I just they're 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 fascinating. I've 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 at this point I've read a lot about serial killers and motivation. See, and I got a rule that I don't date women that watch the ID channel. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it's so ama- like serial killer women who are fascinated with serial killers. It's, an, no, <laughs> I, it's I don't know if it's a fascination. I don't know what it is. It's it's just it's intriguing. It okay. is the motivations behind them, um, nature versus nurture. I explore that a lot in my in my one series. But um, yeah, so I started out writing romantic suspense for adults, mm-hmm. and um, and it was my critique partner who kept saying, "You really have a young voice. Why don't you try writing young adult novels?" And I I said, "All right." Kind of rolled my eyes. Well, I within the first page, I knew. I was. I knew she was right. It just felt right. Yeah. It was my voice. Yeah. And I, other than the two adult novels I talked about earlier, the one adult psychological thriller and the one um, adult survival thriller, everything else I've ever done has been teen or now this middle grade novel this week coming out. So the ideas, I mean, the idea of a book, where does that germinate? I mean... So when you're sitting around thinking, I, I want to write another book, or yeah. you just have this idea that pops in your head, and say, oh, that'd be a great book. Yeah, anything can spout it, you know, spur it to life. Um, like my, like this one, um, Scouts, yeah. the, the middle grade novel. I, it was my agent who said, can you please try writing a middle grade novel? You really got a good voice for middle grade. And um, I, so I said, okay. So I sat down and I, for some reason, I kept seeing East Tennessee. 
and my childhood yeah. and the woods and um, climbing silos and getting lost and playing G.I. Joe with my brother or sitting over there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and just that is what I kept seeing in my brain. And then came this throwback novel to the 80s and this girl surrounded by a bunch of boys and uh, they are all just pack of friends and they go on this grand adventure and they get lost in the hills and there's you know hillbillies and white water rapids and bears and trick caves and a skeleton and all that just started coming to life in my brain and so that's how you just create this whole adventure yeah yeah and a lot of it I, I just kept thinking about my own childhood you know my brother and I we'd get into we get into a lot of messes when we were kids so well it's funny you mention that because the other day uh, the woman I'm going out with we were talking and there's a Broadway play that's coming on in New York of course that's Broadway it's it's based on the song Jack and Diane yeah and there's a little ditty about Jack, Jack and, and Diane. Diane and so uh, <laughs> I told her uh, we were just sitting there and I said that's an interesting thought process so let's just do this and she's like what are you talking about I said well what happened to Jack and Diane you know he wanted to be a football star so what happened and so we just started doing this thought process where we started thinking about, okay, they graduate high school. He's probably a couple of years younger than her, so she graduates a few years later. But he goes on to college, and he's, you know, so they break up. They say, so we just do this entire story about how they went through these, yeah. this time, and then, okay, wait, then now they come back and they meet. How they get back together? And then you're trying to put it back, okay, now we're back in the late 80s, early 90s, so they don't have Tinder. <laughs> you know, yeah. they don't. <laughs> Tinder. So, so how they get back together... And it was just a fascinating thought process to take this song and say, okay, no, it's a love story, so how do they get back together? What happens in their life? I mean, is he working at the feed store? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when he graduates college, why didn't he go on to play pro football? Well, he probably got hurt. Yeah. So why did he come back? Well, his dad's probably sick. You know, so we just yeah. went through this whole... Yeah, you're brainstorming. That's how it works. And, yeah. it, and it's awesome when you find somebody to do that with. When, yeah. when, you, when you're clicking and ideas are pinging off each other, I love that dynamic. It's, because it, by myself, when I sit and try to think up something, you know, I can do it. But I really like the energy of having somebody else there with me. And we're like, but what about this? No, wait a minute. What if this happens instead? And then, then we start laughing. And then we start thinking of something else. Yeah, it just leads. Well, and yeah. uh, what was that group that uh, C.S. Lewis was a part of? Um, it was C.S. Lewis and a couple of the authors. They would all get together, smoke cigars, and just read their manuscripts back and forth. I don't know, but that sounds great. Right. It was just these authors, and they would just do this exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would read their manuscripts. They would uh, brainstorm together. They would critique, no, don't do that. Let's do this. And it was just that whole process. And they were all writing very different types of material. But they gathered together and did it. I'll think the name of that group uh, probably after the podcast yes. is done. <laughs> probably. And then you'll then you'll message me on Facebook. By the way, I just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be driving down the road. Ah, oh, that's the yeah. name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, do you have people that you do that with on a regular basis, or is no, it just? No, I used to. Um, I used to have a group of, of friends, and we would do that. We'd get together and we'd make a big thing in nachos and margaritas, and we had a whiteboard, and we would, you know, plot out a whole book on a whiteboard, and it was great. And we had that energy, you know, that you need. But you know, everyone's we've gone our separate ways, you know, move, yeah. moving, life. marriage, kids, you know, just life. So now, um, now I have. 
one person who lives in D.C. and sometimes we'll have a quick call or, um, you know, that's sort of my go-to person yeah. when I'm trying to bounce off some ideas, so... Yeah, no, that would be, I think that's the fun part for me when I'm trying to, like, even like when I'm trying to put together a talk, like when I want to speak someplace. Yeah. Just that bouncing back and forth, you know. It is. Help crafting it. Yeah. Uh, I wish I was more involved with that. Uh, matter of fact, there's a writer's, somebody told me about a writer's group coming up here before too long. And again, I'm not a writer-writer uh, in the sense that I'm doing it because I want to get published and I want to, but I haven't yet. But I thought that would be fun to go to, just to learn this process, to sit down with a writer's group and yeah. to watch them, hey, here's my ideas. Even if I don't have an idea at the current moment, just to watch this creative process mm-hmm. take place. Um, so do you just got like journals and post-it notes sitting around all over the house with ideas on it? Yes, but I, I'm a very organized person. So okay. if I have too much of that, it's overstimulation and I just, I almost go nutty. You know, I have to keep it all. And sometimes I don't allow myself to come up with new ideas because if I know it's there, I'll be tempted. That whole squirrel thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> I totally know what you mean. Yeah. So I, I make myself, no, I'm not going to write that idea down. Right. So it's like when I left the ministry. Uh, I pastor for a few years in Pacific Northwest. And when I left, I could not go back into a church. And it wasn't because I was anti-church. It was because my brain went into overdrive. Yeah. I mean, I'm constantly saying, thinking, okay, so if I was teaching this, if I was thinking about this, and then I'd find myself getting books, I'd find myself studying, and I'm just like, this is too much. I got to step away from this. And so I stepped away from it for years. Um, wouldn't read anything, wouldn't look at anything, wouldn't listen to anything remotely associated with it because I just, I wasn't in that world anymore, and I had to pull myself out of it. So I... Totally get that overstimulation. Yeah. So if you're totally organized, what do you do? I mean, do you get like your iPad? I mean, yeah. how do you keep your notes? How do you keep these? when On the project you're working on, mm-hmm. how do you organize that? So in, in, my, in my ideal universe, I love to handwrite my manuscripts. And I, I have a specific pencil I like to write with. It's a .9 lead. Um, oh, you're that specific. Yeah, I really love the long... That's also called anal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm comfortable saying that I do agree with that. Um, I really love longhanding my manuscripts, yeah. but sometimes I don't have that luxury. But I feel like when I longhand, it, it helps with my creativity, the process. But now I have a little notebook I travel with and I, yeah I think I have it with me I got mine yeah and and it's got you know my notes in it and, and what needs to happen like right now I'm in the process of reading I just finished a uh, my work in progress and I'm in the process of rereading it and I'm taking notes and keeping track of things and I just keep track of it in this little notebook like timeline and was his what were his eyes brown here and did they change to blue here and all those little details you know right because sometimes when I'm right sometimes a guy has blonde hair and then suddenly he's he's a black man with you know green eyes and I'm, wait like I can't do this I change his ethnicity is <laughs> you're probably like me too when you watch a movie and you see those discrepancies yeah wait that coke can wasn't there Oh, yeah. you're good. Yeah. And I just focus on that. Well, I missed this entire movie because that Coke can wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so that's fascinating. So you longhand cursive print? 
kind of a combination yeah. of the two, just whatever. I, I haven't done that. I haven't done that probably in two years because I just haven't had the luxury of the time. But that is my, I'd love to do that. And I know, and I actually kept, I've kept all my long-handed manuscripts. So nice. I have those. And one, I keep thinking one day maybe I saw somebody who laminated it, laminated their longhand scripts, and then they cut them up in the bookmarks and they hand them out at their book signings. So maybe I'll do that. That's kind of... Or publish them. That's kind of a fun idea. No, because they're all, they've like lines through them and scribbles in the margins. But that would be the beauty of it being published. Somebody who's a fan could get that and say, this is a copy of her longhand. This is the creative. This is what... This is the sausage being made if the you will the sausage being made right? grinding it right <laughs> this is oh this is what she was thinking but it changed it. I don't know I, I mean wouldn't you like to have like who's your favorite author I mean wouldn't you like to have some of their longhand manuscripts and just not go really. through that process not really I'm actually right now I'm a big fan of Colleen Hoover I read pretty much anything she could write on toilet paper and I would read it um, but every once in a while she'll do that she'll give away on her Instagram like longhand versions or different things and I'm never really interested I'm more interested in the bound autograph copies for some reason yeah. I never win because like a th- thousands of people enter but that's okay well we'll tag her in this say Colleen she wants a bound autograph copy of anything I'll take it that's right a bound autograph copy of a roll of toilet paper yeah she'll take it seriously <laughs> she could write on anything and I would buy it she's so talented what does she write I don't, I don't know everything her. her latest was a psychological thriller um she's written adult romance she's written young adult um angsty things I mean she's just she's all over the place she's never written middle grade um Everything's always got these interesting twists to them, though. And I think that's why I like it so much, because I'm reading, and you're really into it, and you just don't see... I mean, you, you know it's coming, because you know it's Colin Hoover. You know that, yeah, you know, it's like M. Night Shyamalan. Comes, you like, know it's coming. Like, yes, and when it happens, you're like, yes, it's a payoff. It's I didn't see that. Yes. worth the seven ninety nine I paid for this book just for that, you know. Oh, man. I. Uh, you should try her. I, I will have to look her up. Colleen maybe, Hoover. Yeah, maybe try maybe try Verity. That was the psychological thriller that and it's about a writer, Verity is. Well, see, kinda like misery. Fiction is something I never really got into. And I know just from all the stuff I've read about personal development, I, I should be reading more fiction. Yeah. Just for the creative aspect of it. But it was just never a genre that just grabbed me. I don't know why. Um, I couldn't really tell you what genres I like, but uh, that one just never grabbed a hold. I did read that uh, when Fifty Shades of Grey came out. Yeah. I did read those. Yeah. Uh, well, I read one and a half. Yeah. Of those. <laughs> Me too. Right. Yeah, and then I. They're horrible. I <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not talking about the story. I'm not talking about what it's about. It was just. I'm the like, editing. Okay, yeah. it's not just me. Yeah, yeah. But from what I understand, I read one of the I read one of the original before. From what I understand, they took it down and they edited it once it became so popular. And now, the ones that are available are edited and pristine. But I happened to get by one of the ones that was. I did too. Yeah. The wife had them, and everybody was talking about it. And yeah. I'm like, "What's this book about?" And yeah. it was. 
It was based in the Pacific Northwest. Yes. I was living there. A lot of it took place in Vancouver, Washington, where I lived. And that's Vancouver, Washington, which is in the United States. For those of you who think I'm talking about Canada and not D.C. <laughs> it's the state of Washington. But they took place like at the plumbing supply store that I used to shop at. And they, you know, they, oh. So when they mentioned things... That's another thing. When, you, when I'm reading a book about my area that I'm living in, and yeah. I could, I've been there, I've seen it. Uh, uh, Blue Light Jazz was another book that I read. It was about a guy in the Pacific Northwest, The Shack. He talks about the Pacific Northwest. So I did get into those books because I lived there. So I, I got into that one, but the editing on the originals, like you said. Was I think everybody says that. We're not saying anything you know outlandish everyone was like the editing what the heck (laughs) and everybody loved it but i was just like okay whatever um so those are the fictions i've got into i did get into a book and i've not finished it uh the zen of motorcycle maintenance or something like that the art and zen of motorcycle maintenance it's supposed to be sounds riveting it's actually a good book (laughs) i started it in jail actually that's nice (laughs) Well, there wasn't nothing to do. <laughs> book was there. I'm reading this book. Um, no, now that I think about it, there's a lot of books that I did get into a lot of fiction. Um, Hemingway, I got into him. I liked a lot of his stuff. I guess I need to open that back up and start diving Give back in. Give it a into. try. Yeah. Yeah. I do enjoy it. So you do read a lot. I do find that out that a lot of writers are avid readers. I don't read as much as I would like to. Yeah. Right now, you know, traveling, I've got my Kindle and I've got some of my old favorites on there. It seems like, it seems like every once in a while I'll go through a reading slump and I yeah. just I start revisiting old favorites. So, so when you that's read, what I'm doing right now. I'm a, I feel like I'm in a slump, and so I'm kind of browsing through old favorites. So I do that, but when I read, how many books do you read when you're reading? Just one at a time. You have, you're one of those multi... Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, I'll have like four or five books yeah. when uh-huh. I'm reading. And um, and I used to think it was a problem that I didn't always complete a book. Because uh, well, there's some authors that you read... You, you can probably read about two of their books and you've read everything they've written. You, you ever run across those? I mean, I've, I've done it. There's a couple authors I've read about two of their books. Yeah. And then I realize... It's the same... The following books are the same plot line right but just a little different and with different names for the characters yes I've come across that several times right so I do that so then I'll find out okay I'll start reading like a fourth book of theirs okay I've read this book and I'll put it down Um, then I and I always felt bad because I might read part of a book and not completely finish it but then I got to I was hearing somebody talk about it and that's how they do it so, you know, you get what you want. You get what you need, then you go on. Yeah. And then read, get what you need, then go on. You can always come back and revisit it. So I don't beat myself up over that as much as I used to in my reading. But I, but I am like that. Uh, I'll have two, three books, and they'll be all over the place. Mm-mm. Nope. My OCD kicks in. Just thinking about that, I'm like, nope. So I enjoy the convenience of a Kindle, but which do you prefer? If I'm traveling, I... Right, the convenience. Yeah, the Kindle. If I'm at home, I like a paperback or a hardback, yeah. Right, there's something tactile. Yeah, I do. I like that. I like I like just the way I can prop myself up on my couch with the book and... Mm-hmm. 
So. And a margarita. <laughs> Just something different about, you know, and the smell. I know that's silly, but the no. smell. It's the smell. It's, it's the touch. It's very comforting to me. Yeah, it's very tactile. Right. When I open a book, like if I'm browsing a book, I'll open it and I'm literally rubbing the paper. And I like being able to put a bookmark in. It's very right. satisfying putting the bookmark in. I don't bend the... Good boy. <laughs> I do not dog, dog ear. ear. Yeah. I don't do that. Uh, and there was a book. We were down at uh, McKay's. I started to say pals. <laughs> they don't have pals here. That's in Portland. I was down at McKay's in Chattanooga the other day, and I found this book that I wanted. And I opened it up, and somebody had highlighted and underlined in it. Oh. I'm like... Oh. And it was a fiction book? No, I forgot the name of the book it was, but it was a book that I... I mean, if it's a get. college textbook, I get it, but... Well, now, I have a book that I'm going through right now. Um, uh, my mother and I have, have been doing a podcast on it, and um, I highlight it because what I'll do is I'll read part of the book, and then her and I will discuss it. So I highlight it because I want to call it out, and I'm not looking for it. But I'm also not going to give that book away. Mm-hmm. Right? This is mine for this very specific purpose. So I get it from that standpoint. Like you said, you're studying. You want to call things out. You remember stuff. But yeah. um, I don't like getting a book that somebody's already been through. I don't know. In the sense that they've underlined and highlighted. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to pick that up. So I'm, I didn't buy that book. Okay, I'll get something else. But the, uh, Have you got any audibles out there? My personal book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every one of them. So do you read them yourself? Oh, no, huh? No. Why not? Have you thought know. about it? No. It's this simple, like what you and I are doing right now. Headphone, microphone. No. That's not really my thing. But, um, man, I've got some great narrators that have done my books, though. The, um, I, haven't, I haven't listened to Scouts yet. Uh-huh. Um, but the psychological thriller I was talking about that came out a few months ago... Oh my goodness! I'm listening to it right now. On the, I was listening to it on the airplane here. The narrator did such a good job. It takes place in East Tennessee, mm-hmm. and um, and it's um, the narrator has really nailed that kind of very slight Southern drawl. You know, so many people overdo it, but she did they such do. a slight, and it's just beautiful. And it's it captures the captures the heroine and. The trauma she's been through and who she is now, strong woman, but also that tinge of Southern. I'm just, I can't wait to actually, I made a note. When I get back, email the narrator about how much I love her voice. (laughs) (laughs) You almost want to go leave a review. I love what you did here. Yeah, she did such a good job with it. So I enjoy audibles. I enjoy listening to audio books. And I guess what I found out, and part of the reason I'm asking is, certain books I want the author to read. Right, mm-hmm. but you're right. When it comes to fiction, I may not want the author to read that because sometimes the author doesn't. Because fiction is more like you need an actor, you need somebody yeah. who understands different voices. That's right. And but in other books, like I guess if I'm reading a book like a personal development or finance or something like that, I want that author to read it because it's like they're teaching me. Mm-hmm. I think in fiction, you're you're right. I want somebody who's trained in these voices who's trained in these intonations the capturing the story the visual Mm because books are visual Mm -hmm. and that's what I think a lot of people don't get there's got to be a lot of visual in the book so yeah that would be interesting I didn't know if you did your own audibles or Mm -hmm. not no I know some authors do um, 
the the survival thriller that I had come out a couple years ago, the narrator of that 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 thriller has multiple nationalities in it, and that narrator did such a good job with yeah. all the accidents, uh, accents, <laughs> Australian, British. Nigeria. I mean, you name it. I had it all. I had all the nationalities in this book. Man, she nailed every one of them. That's amazing. Couldn't believe it. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, So, do you work with other writers? I like a co-author situation. Is that what you mean? Mentoring. Oh, um, I don't have. I don't do any one-on-one. I do workshops where I present. And um, as a matter of fact, I'm doing one in um, October in Florida. But um, no, I don't do any one-on-one. And as far as co-authoring, working that way, I would love to do that. And I've, I have asked a few different people, yeah. you know, if, if, we, if they'd want to try it. And we actually tried and figured out we weren't really quite compatible. But gosh, You'd have to be. I would love that if I could find somebody to try a project with. Huh. Yeah. So outside of fiction, have you thought about other, other genres? No. Or you just like the fiction thing? Yeah, I'm, if I were going to do nonfiction, it would be about my adventures. I love hiking and climbing and rafting and kayaking. I mean, you got to try hang gliding. I do. I saw your pictures you posted, and that's one thing I thought I got to try that one. I was I was so surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, and it and, and somebody told me at work, oh, you're just an adrenaline junkie. I don't know if that's what this was for me I mean yeah there's some adrenaline to it um, so we went down to Lookout Mountain mm-hmm. and you go up to the top of the mountain that's where you check in and they want you to sign these waivers in which me I'm like why do I got to sign a waiver <laughs> what are you trying to tell me here right yeah waivers are scary <laughs> right I don't yeah. want to sign a waiver yeah and they get this concrete ramp that goes over the edge of the cliff and I'm looking at it and all I kept thinking is I don't think I want to walk off that <laughs> Because you literally got to walk off of yeah. it. And you're watching these solo hang gliders get up there. And it's and it's just a big kite on your back that you're holding on to. And they just walk right off and take off. And I'm just I don't know if I want to do that. But, <clears throat> you know, I can't chicken out. I'm yeah. there with a group. So we sign the waivers and they give us a map to get down to where everybody's landing. Mm-hmm. Oh, why am I going to go down there? So we go down there. We get dressed. They put, the, put you in the harness. And the hang glider has these little wheels. And the wheels are only about maybe eight inches tall, so you're that close to the ground. Mm-hmm. And they hook a rope up to it. And the other end of the rope is hooked to an ultralight, which an ultralight, you know, it's just a go-kart with wings. That's all an ultralight is. Yeah. And this rope is thinner than the rope you go tubing with, yeah. you know, if you're on the lake. And... That ultralight takes off and they tow you up in the air. And so that's an adventure in and of itself. Yeah. You know, you're being towed up and they got us up to about 1,800 feet and they let go of that rope. The hang glider pilot does. You're with a pilot, so you're not having to do this all by yourself. And he lets go of that rope and you feel the tension of the plane stop pulling you and it feels like that hang glider stops and now you feel like you're Wiley Coyote about to just drop out of the sky. And then all of a sudden you realize, this thing works. And you're just gliding. Hmm. Of course, I was with a pilot that wanted to do some aggressive stuff, some dives, some turns, and I was all for it. And it was exciting. But uh, the landing's a little sketchy because, again, you're, you're about a foot off the ground and you're coming at the ground face first. 
you know, to land. But it was great. I would totally. I'm going to do it again. We're going to do. It. We're going back in the fall, so we can see the the leaves from up there. But yeah, no, I would totally do that. I would do that. I would not bungee jump. I'm not into that. No way. So why don't you want to do it? Mm-mm, I don't want to bungee. I just don't like that whole dot. Uh, that whole free falling toward earth only to then just be boing back I just free fall again that just really freaks me out about that well buddy of mine that went with us he had been skydiving like a month or so before we went hang gliding and he said that the excitement of skydiving is going out that plane but after that you're just floating down he said uh, he prefers hang gliding because you can climb you can dive you can turn you get more freedom you're in the air longer I mean they could have kept us up there as long as they wanted mm-hmm. uh, the ride from the time you tow till you land is about 15-20 minutes because they got other people they need to get in but if you were just out there by yourself you just totally enjoy it but you was that your first time paddle boarding yes well, I mean I did it a little bit a few years ago mm-hmm. Not, more just let me see if I can do it but this was an actual where you leave and you go down the inlet and you know you're, I was with a pack of people it was great yeah it was great I I did but it if you put too much thought into it about like what's in the dark water then it starts to like yeah make your legs quiver you're like <laughs> yeah my legs are like doing this <laughs> yeah don't think about that um, I've done it and what I found out is it's a not only is it fun and relaxing and you're just getting to do it it's a really big core workout and i found that if i got down on my knees it i could go faster on my knees versus standing up and i felt that when i would sit on my butt that that's when i really engage my core because you're kind of you know you're twisting yeah. and digging in and twisting and digging in you done your next thing is do yoga on the paddleboard it is actually. I. I. It's funny you say that because some my couple of good friends and we were talking about that. Yeah. They both have their own paddle boards. I don't. And they were telling me how you have to have an anchor to keep it in place. And I went, Oh yeah, that makes sense because I used to I think. Didn't think about that. I used to think, How do they do yoga on a paddle board? I don't get it. And that makes sense. You anchor and then do it. I didn't think about anchoring it. I've never done yoga on a paddle board. Uh, but I didn't think. Yeah, you might want to anchor it. <laughs> I can just see up there, what, and is it tree where you put your leg on the side, that pose? And then um, oh, on. I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. I, and I did yoga this morning, and I did that, but it's called um, staff, staff pose. Isn't that it? I don't know. I date a yoga instructor. When you, you, should, put your, <laughs> you would think I would know this. Yeah, when you put your foot on the inside of your thigh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's going to hear this and correct me, I know. <laughs> but um, she's wanting me to... To become a yoga instructor, which I haven't thought about. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I never considered it before. But So Scouts is your new book that you're promoting right now. Uh, just a quick synopsis. I mean, what, yeah. what, what are the readers looking for here? Okay, so Scouts is a middle grade novel, so it's good for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And it is about, it's, it's a throwback novel to the 80s, mm-hmm. and it's about a pack of kids. They see a meteor go down, and they decide to go investigate. And then, of course, chaos ensues. Oh. It's very Goonies, very Stranger Things. even has um, a lot of people have been referring to Stand By Me whenever they... Whenever. Oh, yeah. So, um, and it was just a blast to write. And, and, uh, and of course, 
these are these are kids that have been friends since they were in kindergarten, if not yeah. before then, and now they're all about to get into middle school. And of course, you know things are different whenever you're transitioning from elementary to middle. It is, and um, and suddenly they're realizing maybe maybe I don't have as much in common with them as I thought I did, and everyone's starting to develop your own interests, and so it's about that too. Yeah, you're developing, you're coming of age. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know. It's about that and, and and figuring out how they're all so very different, but then when they're together, they really work because they all bring something to the table. Yeah. So, but more than anything, it's just about this grand adventure and, uh, and, and how the environment makes them come together. Hmm. And, oh, that'd be good, just recapturing that childhood. There was a thing... And you've probably seen it on Facebook, too. It says, uh, one day you went out and played with your brothers and sisters, and none of you knew it was the last time. Well, that's sad. But you know that feeling? That just that one day you're all outside playing together, and none of you knew this, this was going to be the last time that we ever went out and played together. Oh. It is sad. That breaks my heart. My brother and I, we still play. I know. But um, We were playing last night. We were playing cards. <laughs> What'd you play? No, that's not right. That was this morning because I... So you spent the night in Atlanta last night. Yeah. Uh, uh, We were playing... You name it, we play it. You know, Old Maid even, War. Oh, my God, Old Maid. I've not played that in forever. We're so silly. I haven't played that in forever, Old Maid. Rami I've played, but I haven't played that in a few years. I used to play that a lot, but... Oh, well. So the work... And just now thinking about this, when you're talking about the book tell me about the book and all the creative process and everything went into that but once the book is published your work just is just beginning I guess on one sense I mean you gotta do all the marketing you gotta do these tours you gotta yeah yeah so of course the creative process is over with and the editing and um, I'm lucky the team at, at Jimmy Patterson books they've got they're just phenomenal they are on the ball they uh, in constant communication with me really developed a comprehensive marketing and publicity plan I mean, I'm just I'm just you just got to show up I am blessed to have them have them on my team for sure right and they've got this great week for me this week and several other things I've been doing so oh that'd be good because uh, that podcast I was thinking about I was listening to earlier when he was talking about the difference between traditional and indie publishing he had originally planned on writing four books he had four books He's going to write one every quarter and put it out there. And he said a friend of his come to him, and he was telling his friend this plan. His friend said, you're crazy. And Four said, books a year? Yeah. That's, that's doable. Well, but his friend's point was, yeah, it's doable, but you, you need to write the book and then spend the next year or so promoting it and marketing it. And he said, if you're going to do four books a year, and do your other stuff. You don't have time to sell your books and sell the products that comes off your books and everything associated with your books. Mm-hmm. So he encouraged him to space them out. Mm-hmm. That way he's got time to, to do the work of selling the book. And, um, and then everything else that's associated with it. And I guess that's another question that I would have. You notice I didn't bring notes. I just have a conversation. So with your book, you've got your book. That sells. You got your Audible. Do you have other things that that come off of those books that sell? Uh, foreign rights. So translation when mm-hmm. they get when they get translated into other languages. 
um, film rights if they're opted for film. And um, have you had that? I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, my spy series was optioned, but that's actually more common than people realize. A lot of stuff gets optioned. It's when it's it gets the green light to go into production. That's the big deal. Okay, that was my. Yeah, a lot of things get optioned. So have you had the a green, almost green, green light. light. Or a green light? Or? No, I haven't. I've had options, which that, that in and of itself is just like, oh Yahoo, my God. yay, you know, fingers crossed something, you know, it goes through green light. But um, Well, when you were talking yeah. about scouts, I thought I could see that being a... I can too. I can see that being it a It was film. my spy series. They were op- It was optioned and, um, and it didn't go to, it didn't get the green light. So spy series... Uh, Teenage spy series. I yeah, mean, was it a teenage yeah. spy? I mean, what it was, was it? yeah, a whole group of them, a whole group of them. And um, they work for some covert yeah, government organization. Yeah. Black ops, juvenile delinquents, <laughs> criminals, <laughs> teen spies. Um, you, do you remember that show, Alias? Oh my God, I love that it's show. It's very, very Alias. I love that show. A lot of secret underground stuff. It remind me of uh, La Femme Nikita. Yeah. Is that, did I say that yeah, right? Yeah, you did. Yeah, it reminded me that I love that show. My son, when he was in school, you know, you kids get sick, and um, he was out, so I had to write him a note, and so I would write his his uh, excuse. What what do they call it? whatever that note is you write and send to school your kids? So I said, please excuse Levi for being out yesterday. What you may not know about him is he's a secret government opera operative and i just come with these crazy stories as to why he wasn't out <laughs> not that you know he had a cold <laughs> and he, he said he, amusing the administration he said it got to the point dad when i walked into school the day after i was sick and i'd take a note or he had a doctor's appointment he said I'd take a note they're like i want to read it first <laughs> <laughs> and um one day he was out and his mom was going to go write him a note he said no I want dad to write it. <laughs> I would do that. So it's a series. How many are in that series? Five. Five of them. Yeah. And they build on each other? They do. Yeah. Yeah. They're all told from the same point of view. But um, but th- what I like about them is that my editor let me, at the beginning of each book, you get a different point of view from whatever characters featured in that book, whatever mission they're going on, top secret undercover mission. Right. So that was fun, being able to dive into another character's head. But the majority of the books are told from one point of view. So when you say character, that made me think. You, you do. You develop these, these, these characters, these people. Uh, do you see them? I mean, when you're th- In my head? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see what they look like. You, oh, yeah. You hear their voice. Yeah, yeah, and I'll um, I'll I'll even do collages. Like I'll find pictures of what I'm like a Pinterest, but I I, I like Pinterest, but I like having it physically in front of me. So like I'll, a vision board. I do, yeah. Oh, and I like to I like sitting down with magazines and going through and clipping out and pasting to my poster board and putting it right there by my computer. That's just what I like. So, you, and that's that. I guess I hear a lot of authors talk about that. I mean, they they hear their voice. They can smell. Like it. Yeah. Do you yeah. have conversations with them? I mean, like when you're in this writing process, and like, so, what do you want to do here? Um, what surprises me is that oftentimes they will go in a direction I'm not thinking they want to go, or a completely new character will pop to life. Yeah. 
And in my spy series, I had this new character just step onto the page, and his name's Chaplin, and he's a little guy. He's a little person, and he's got red fuzzy hair, and he's a genius. He's a computer genius. Yeah. And he was not part. He, I did not plot him. I did not even ex- know who he was. He just came onto the page. And to this day, I get fan mail for him. People love this guy. So you get fan mail? Yeah. That's well, got to be re- crazy. That, that sounds so, I don't like that word, fan mail, reader mail. Right. But a lot of them, you know, they'll talk about Chaplin, this little fuzzy, redheaded genius guy I just one day popped onto my page. And it's, it's interesting, the characters that connect with the readers. It is. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking, I mean, that could be a whole new... And he talks real fast, and he's he's always he's always got he's always hyped up on caffeine, and he's always clapping his hands because he's so excited about everything. Is <laughs> <laughs> he wearing glasses? Uh, yeah, sometimes yeah. you like reading glasses, reading glasses, but but it's I, wh- why I hesitated was because I've also received sketches. Like my readers will yeah. bring the characters to life, and some of them sketch him with glasses, and some sketch him without glasses. So that's why I paused because I was trying to think about what my readers do when they sketch my characters. Yeah. So you get that. People sketches. send you sketches oh, yeah. of what they saw, who they, who they met in the book. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's got to be fascinating. Cause Seeing it come to life. It is because you, you always hear people the debate about do you read the book, then watch the movie? Do you watch the movie, then read the book? And there's always this disappointment because you have this vision in reading the book. You see this character, you know, and that's one thing I hate about when they have a, when a book gets republished after the movie's been out and then the movie character's on the book, that's not who I saw. Yeah. Which is why whenever I, whenever I look at covers, whenever I have a say so into my covers, Mm -hmm. I don't like seeing a person on the cover or because I I don't want to obstruct that what the reader is thinking in their head I don't want them to look at the cover and see something different yeah that, that theater of the mind yeah good I like that theater of the mind oh I love it too uh, that's why um, we were talking about old TV shows like the Twilight Zone or the mm-hmm. old Alfred Hitchcock TVs or movies and I said the reason those stand the test of time is these guys came out of radio they came out of doing their shows on the radio the war of the worlds and all that where they had to create in your mind this theater where you're sitting with your family beside the radio listening to this voice yeah and you're envisioning this and so those guys took that craft and got into film and brought that with them that famous scene in uh psycho the knife never touches her but you talk to people about that scene and it's one of the most horrifying scenes in in oh yeah because your mind Just fills in all those blanks. Yeah. But it never happened. Yeah. <laughs> it's never on film, but it's because he, he captures that. He brings you into that theater. And just listening to you talk about these characters and how people are. They're drawing sketches. They, they're they identifying with characters that you never even plotted out. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, if you ever went back and revisited that series, he'd be a good one to explore. Maybe do a spinoff on. Yeah. I don't know if I could do a whole spinoff on him. <laughs> In my brain, he's always a side character. He's fun to write, but... Right. That's that's fun. Wow. I'm just thinking about uh, Spy Series. There's a, I guess they're, they've announced the new 007. Are you any James Bond? 
Who's the new one? It's a woman. No kidding. Yeah. Who's it going to be? I don't know her name. I just listened to it on the radio yesterday, So, I, and I was driving, and I didn't have a... I thought I need to look this up. Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig, who I, in my mind is the best Bond ever. Oh, I like him. Yeah. he's. Yeah. But the difference to like Piers Brosnan and... and uh, was it Timothy Dalton? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, well, they were in that genre where the writing was way different. And um, there was a split in the Bond franchise for a while where they couldn't use certain things. And now that, that's, that's been fixed. Mm-hmm. So the writing's much better with Daniel Craig. But um, he's going to be in it. He'll be James Bond in it. She'll just be a female 007. Mm. So that's how they're going to take this. And I'm interested in that. You know, a lot of purists are upset about it. And I'm like, really? It's a book. <laughs> it's a series. But I'm interested in seeing it. I don't know. I don't know. So you're going to be at the E.G. Fisher Library. So did your, your publisher, your publicist, did they say, hey, we want to take you to Athens? Or you like, hey, if I'm going to be that way, I want to stop into Athens? Yeah, so we talked about it, and I and we talked about strategy, like where to where to send me, and I, you know, I said, well, listen, I, Scouts takes place in East Tennessee, and I grew up in Athens. Ideally, I would really love to hit East Tennessee during the week of publication, and they agreed. So, so I'm today here uh, at E.G. Fisher, and yeah. then tomorrow in Chattanooga at Barnes and Noble, and then I'll be at Union Books. On, Thursday in Knoxville. So if we're reading this, are we going to recognize places? I mean, you mentioned in places that we grew up about? or Well, it takes place in Friendly, the fictitious town of Friendly, <laughs> Friendly, Tennessee. <laughs> we all know <laughs> what town that is. Um, let's see. So for those of you listening, Athens is known as a friendly city. And uh, and they all the the high school there is called Cherokee High. Okay, Mink County High School, home of the Cherokees. Uh huh. Right. And um, and the, the 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 majority of the book takes place in the hills, and so there's not a lot of local, you know, you icons. They're not going to the Zesto. No, gosh, the Zesto. <laughs> I spent many a many a summer there. So, um, but the. Um, the, it kicks off on Basinger's farm. Okay. And uh, I don't know if he's still, but when I was a kid, there was there was Mr. Basinger, and he had a big farm in Riceville. Okay. And so, in my mind, as I'm creating the scene, I'm thinking of Mr. Basinger's farm. So you're just seeing all those things in your mind. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't kick off in Riceville. It kicks off in Friendly, Tennessee. In Friendly, Tennessee. Yeah, but that's what I see as I'm creating it. Yeah. So how often do you get back here? Definitely once a year to see my dad. Mm-hmm. He still lives in Athens. Um, I was here in January to see my dad, and then of course now. So yeah, it's. Uh, I was gone for like twenty something years, mm-hmm. right? And I come back maybe once every four or five years during that time. Although a lot's changed, a lot has not changed, and I, I kind of like that in some regards. And in other regards, I'm like, gosh, I wish there was some more changes here. But there's something familiar about it. There is. That I enjoy. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm back at this season of my life. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I'll stay here at this season of my life. What took you to Florida, though? Sailing. Sailing? Yeah. Well, yeah. do tell. Yeah. So, I went to college at MTSU, and 
I started getting into sailing, but you can't do, I mean, there's lakes, but the, you know, you can't do a whole lot of sailing, obviously. There's right. only so much you can do on lakes. And so I found my way to Fernandina Beach with my sailboat in tow. What kind of sailboat? Catamaran? Sunfish? No, it was, uh, it was a 23-foot compact, and I had that, and that's initially how I found my way to Florida was so you just my out. love of sailing, yeah. Can you live on the... Do you still have it? Do you, can you live on no. it? No. So I, I upgraded to a 38-foot sailboat oh. with the intention of living on it, and then uh, a few things happened, and I ended up um, buying and living in an RV. And I did that for several years. Yeah, I remember and found that. my way to St. Augustine. So, I I think I remember when we first connected. You were talking about the sailboat, and then there was the RV thing. Mm-hmm. I there's something romantic about living on a sailboat, uh, and there's something very romantic about living in an RV. The what I found though is the romance comes with a lot of maintenance. <laughs> and it comes also with a lot of restrictions because it, you, it's not you don't have a lot of room a friend of mine told me one time he said a boat gets very small when you're out on the water I don't mind you don't mind yeah I don't mind and I love living in an RV I would do that again in a heartbeat mm-hmm. I liked everything being very compact and everything had its little place yeah I like that no well, furniture except well, the furniture that was built in what I like about it is uh I don't have to mow the grass. I just move someplace else. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll just start that thing and go someplace else. There you go. It's got its pro. It does. Uh, I've I've been kicking around the idea about buying my parents' RV. Um, one to just help them out there. Not that they need the help, but just get that off of her books. And two, but then I think, oh, the amount of money it would cost me to say drive it to Florida. Uh, I could probably fly down there and stay in a hotel cheaper. Oh, but that's that's not the bohemian lifestyle. It's not. Yes. It's not. And I do very much enjoy the idea of the bohemian lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, uh, we were talking this spring about putting together maybe a some type of little business and follow these festivals around. Mm-hmm. You know, just like live out of a van or the RV and go to these festivals and just sell at the festivals and go to the next one with them because they're all on a circuit. That would be fun, I think. But I need to figure out a way. Maybe if maybe you'll you're you're inspiring me. I need to figure out a way to write so I can because you can work from anywhere. Yep, that's just true, and especially with my teaching, my part time online teaching, that goes with me also. I I was doing that this morning actually. You can work from anywhere, and that's the beauty of it, the discovering your art and being able to take it and go anywhere. So if you wanted to live in, in Astoria, Oregon for yeah. six months, you could. Yep. That's got to be freeing. <laughs> was that, and that was not your intent in college. Oh, I've always been, I've always had that wanderlust in me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was never the... Get married, white picket fence, two point five kids. That was never me. I always wanted to see the world. Uh, yeah. Well, I did that life, and I'm grateful for it. You know, I got some great kids out of it and uh, beautiful memories. But I like this season I'm in. That I'm not tied, and that's the that's been the struggle I've been fighting in my head right now. Because part of me wants to buy property, 
you know, do stuff like that. And then every time I think about it, it scares me to death because now I feel like I'm tied down and mm-hmm. I'm anchored. And I don't want that. Do you have that? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tied down and anchored. <laughs> but would that scare you when you think about it, getting tied yes, down and anchored? which is why I'm not. <laughs> Which is why I've created this life that I want. <laughs> Just being real. <laughs> well, and there's something freeing about that. Um, where there's other people that they, I guess the idea of living your life scares them to death. Well, sure. They teach their own. You have to figure out what's going to make you happy and fulfilled and then do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess on one hand, well, I know on one hand, there's something comforting. Like, I got to go to work this evening. And there's something comforting knowing that I'm going to go put my time in. I'll get a paycheck. Uh, but for me also, it's, it's horrible because about 5 o'clock this afternoon, my brain will start going back over this podcast. It'll start mm-hmm. thinking about another podcast that I'm trying to schedule with a, 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 another author in the future. And I'll be wanting to sit down with my notes and... It just kills me. Mm-hmm. I, and, and other people, they look forward to it. Hey, I go to work. I do this. I get a check. But it also kills me in the sense that it doesn't matter how hard or how well I work there. I'm not going to make any more money. Where in your life, you can you get more benefit out of the work you put in. Does that make sense? It does. There's something, there's something to be said for a steady, steady paycheck for sure. And, um, you know, it's being, being in the artistic field can be stressful because you don't, you can have a windfall of money and then nothing for, for a very long time. So it's, um, Mm. you definitely, that's why I continue to do part-time teaching just so I have that steady trickle coming in. So those, those months where I might be a little drier on the writing side, I have the peace of mind. Financially, I'm doing okay. Yeah. That's interesting because um, I would say having as many books as you have out there, you're not, you're, 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 you're doing it for the love of the art and the money's great. But I don't know, I mean, do, are you thinking I need to make more money so I'm going to go write a book or is it just like, I love this craft, I love this art? It's, it's a business. What, what you're driving. I'm very business minded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... I used to not be that way, but the older I get and the more I know the industry, yes, it's a business and it is my job and I do my job. And so, you know, I don't go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to just create this and make money on it. You know, I'm, I have a strategy and I really look through it and think about it and decide what projects I'm going to work on based on what I'm interested in. And then also what I think is going to give me the payoff because it's my job and that's a good way I need to make at. money and pay my bills. <laughs> so you, I, I messaged you a few years ago when I, and I go back and forth to this, I want to write thing, uh, about your writing process. And you told me a three-step process that you go through, I believe. Oh, three acts? Correct. Yeah. That's actually a very common way that people write. There's, you look at a writing a novel, like a screenplay, there's three acts to a novel. Uh-huh. And that's what I do. And I... Uh, and don't, I mean, don't ask me to 
tell you what the three acts are because no, no. I, I wouldn't be able to like just quickly regurgitate it. I have it on my, you know, I have it like on an outline. And so like the project I just finished, I'll divide it into threes and I'll see if everything, I have like a checklist of what all supposed to happen in the first third of the book, what all supposed to happen in the second third and the last third. And that's how I go about figuring out how, if I'm meeting all the beats is what they call it, the beats in each act. Right, you and know, the, the continuity. Ups and, the ups and downs that keep a reader wanting to read more. Right, because yeah. there, there very much is, in the books that you enjoy, that I enjoy, there's very much this this flow yeah. that it's got to go through. Yeah. And you very much enjoy it. Um, that's what I was telling somebody about Hemingway. Um, what makes his books different is you, you're reading a book and you've got your, your hero and you expect everything to turn out well for him mm-hmm. and then his books is like well that sucked <laughs> like the yeah. old man in the sea i don't know if you've read it but Mm-mm, i have not you, you're reading this book and you're going through it and it's exciting and everything's going on and then you get to the end you're like well that sucked for that guy <laughs> yeah it's just, it's, I, I actually like books that don't have happy endings yeah it's not that his is a bad ending it's just well dang <laughs> So I'm curious, you keep looking at your laptop. What is that blue line? Is that our voices? This is our voices. So I, what I use is Audacity, and um, that's just our voices. So like when you talk. Okay. So there you are. Testing, testing. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, and the reason I do that, I keep looking at it, is because I was doing a podcast with these paranormal investigators. And we're at a restaurant in Etowah. And I set my phone up to video it. I had my Audacity running. I had my soundboard plugged in. And we're all sitting there talking about these paranormal investigations they've been on and these ghosts. And I'm highly skeptical. I don't know what I believe here. So I'm talking to them. All of a sudden, I hear this noise. Now, peripheral of my eye, the uh, plug shot out of the wall. So my soundboard came unplugged. It just... Just come out of the wall. Uh-huh. I thought, well, that's weird. So I plugged it back up, and we're talking, we're talking, and all of a sudden I just looked over at my laptop, and it wasn't recording. It just stopped recording. Mm-hmm. So now I have a habit where I touch it, make sure it's still recording. But so that just stopped recording. I thought, well, that's weird, and didn't think nothing of it. So then when the podcast is over, I go to check my phone, no video whatsoever, none. Mm. Something again. Interesting. Right. Well, then this druid priest calls me because I did a podcast with her. <laughs> and I said, it's weird that you just called me. She said, well, I saw you're doing that podcast with those paranormal guys today. I want to know how that went. I said, I'm going to tell you how it went. So I told her about those three things happening. She said, yeah, that happens. They bring those spirits with them. And so I got off the phone with her and I told those guys about it. They said, no, that happens with us sometimes. Sometimes those spirits get attached and come with us and they mess with stuff lovely right so where are you at on that yeah i that kind of stuff freaks me out big big time big time yeah i'm not good with paranormal stuff well you know the lady that they wrote the tin can holler about yeah we need to wrap it up yeah tin can holler she's buried out there in almost meg's county there's a ley line do you know what ley lines are Uh uh-uh it's like these energy lines that cross. Well, the Druid Priest is telling me it's a vortex. The paranormal guys are telling me it's highly haunted. 
So they want me to go out there and stand in this vortex while the paranormal guys no. do their investigation and she does her druid priest stuff. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> Not me. Have fun. <laughs> Shannon, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. How, does, how do people find you? ShannonGreenland.com. ShannonGreenland.com. Scouts is out today everywhere. It's on all it's Amazon, Kindle, everything. Walk into your local bookstore and you'll see it. Right there. All right. Well, you'll be in Chattanooga tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. That's at um, Barnes and Noble. What time is that? Mid- noon. I was going to say midnight. Gosh. The podcast probably won't be up by then. Okay. But, um, and then uh, six o'clock, Union Books in Knoxville. Okay. And then I'll be down in Florida. All right. At Neptune Beach. All right. Yep. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate finally getting to just sit down and talk. Yeah. And um, have fun. I'm excited for you. Thank Thank you you for doing this. Thanks, Scott. All right. Bye.